My name is Emily Hines, and I attend Houston City Council meetings, and I take notes. Today's notes are from the council meeting on March 28, 2023. First, I will go over the mayor's report. Mayor Turner remarked on the powerful storms and tornado in Mississippi over the weekend that left 26 people dead and many more injured. There are two city-sponsored relief efforts, one with Gallery Furniture and one with the Astros Foundation. There is a lot going on in Houston this week, and particularly in downtown, the NCAA Final Four tournament, the Astros season opener on Thursday, some Rockets games, new addition at the Toyota Center on Saturday, and with all that going on, Mayor Turner gave a special welcome to the athletes, families, and fans in town for the Final Four and encouraged everyone to plan ahead for transportation and parking. One Clean Houston is alive. This is a program similar to One Safe Houston, and I'm sure we'll all find out more about it soon. On Friday, there is a Cesar Chavez Day March to oppose the state takeover of HISD at Cesar Chavez High School starting at 9 a.m. March 29th is National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Councilmember Kamen remarked on the shooting at Nashville's Covenant School on Monday, saying that military-style weapons are being used against our children. She said that it is devastating to feel happy that it wasn't worse, that more people weren't killed. Mayor Turner agreed and lamented that school shootings have become normalized. He said, today may not be our day, but there is a tomorrow. Tomorrow could be your kid. Councilmember Cisneros said the leading cause of death for children in the U.S. is gun violence, a striking statistic. Councilmember Kubosh asked about the lifeguard situation for summertime pools, and Mayor Turner reported the city is still hiring. The pay is $16 to $20 an hour, and there's a $500 signing bonus. Mayor Turner proclaimed March 29, 2023, Houston Airport's System Day and presented a certificate to Director Mario Diaz and his team. Many speeches were made. Next up, I will go over Agenda Item 15, the Conservation District Debate. Item 15 would have approved an ordinance that would pave the way for the creation of conservation districts in Independence Heights, Freedmanstown, Acres Homes, Magnolia Park in Manchester, and Pleasantville and Piney Point. These six neighborhoods would make up the pilot program helping to develop it further. Unlike historic districts, conservation districts are tailored to specific neighborhoods led by the people who live there. The supporting document lists some benefits of a conservation district. Here they are. Number one, protecting the character, look, and feel of an area or neighborhood. Number two, supporting compatible development and new construction. Number three, they are designed to be simpler to establish than other forms of protection like deed restrictions or historic districts. And finally, it can include structures of any age and is primarily focused on bulk and scale of buildings, not architectural details like historic districts. Councilmember Kubosh tagged this item because he has questions about what data has been used to select these neighborhoods. Mayor Turner kindly invited him to listen to the people from these communities and the district council members who have been advocating for conservation districts. Turner reiterated that today's item would begin the process, but nothing is set in stone, and also that it is a pilot program to develop best practices. When Kubosh kept pursuing the data, Turner repeated that this initiative has been led by people living in these communities and directed Kubosh to listen to them. Councilmember Gallegos lamented that historic neighborhoods like his home of Magnolia Park, which has no deed restrictions, are losing their character to new development. He also said that conservation districts are not being forced on anyone. 
Councilmember Kamen said that history is literally being erased in some of these neighborhoods. She said this item initiates a process and that education and outreach campaigns have already begun. She asked City Attorney Michelle if this conservation district ordinance conflicts with federal preservation requirements, and Michelle said no. Federal guidance is to use local ordinances to prevent demolition. Councilmember Thomas talked about asset-based community development, which encourages us to let people who live in these neighborhoods drive the development. She remarked on the history of Piney Point and said the data is in the neighborhoods because so much of what was originally there is gone. She praised citizen-led development because it's important that we let the people lead. She was shocked at some people who don't live in these neighborhoods encouraging others to vote no. Regarding the elders of these communities who just don't have the resources to advocate for themselves, Thomas said, quote, it's our responsibility to protect their interests, end quote. She also pushed back that anti-gentrification movements are strictly about preventing new builds. People in Piney Point welcome new development because it will contribute to revitalization and attract people back to the neighborhood. But at the same time, that development needs to keep the character of the neighborhood in mind and build homes that contribute to that character, not detract from it. Councilmember Cisnero said she knows the Independence Heights community would be very disappointed to see this item tagged today because they have been advocating for 11 years, which is longer than Kubosh has been on council, she pointedly pointed out. So pointy. I had to step away, but when I came back, Councilmember Gallegos was asking Kubosh to please release his tag so they could vote today. Several council members remarked on the urgency of this item. Councilmember Kamen explained how extremely difficult it is to change deed restrictions and shared that Garden Oaks and Oak Forest people recently had to get state law changed so they could remove racist language from theirs. Despite pressure to remove his tag, Kubosh remained firm, so this item is on hold for one more week. Next, a small selection of other agenda items. Item 1 approved 10 people to the Independent Police Oversight Board. Item 12 approved 371000 for floor scrubbers at the airports. They've got to keep that five-star rating at Hobby. Item 13 approved spending 84000 on the software that supports the handheld citation devices used by HPD. Item 16 and 17 approved funding for housing for people with HIV and AIDS. In addition to item 15, the conservation districts, Councilmember Kubosh tagged items 21, 22, 34, and 35, which is very unusual. After he tagged 34, Mayor Turner jokingly said he has now exceeded his limit, which got some laughs. Item 23 approved 550000 for improvements to Little Thicket Park. Item 38 approved a $396,000 reimbursement to the county for already completed underground utilities on Rosewood Street. Councilmember Evan Shabaz used this as another opportunity to call attention to the county forcibly building bike lanes on Blodgett, which is her word and not mine. She questions why they get to build them when the community doesn't want them. I take personal issue with that statement, but this item doesn't really have anything to do with all of that, as the mayor reminded her. The mayor said to her, quote, anytime an item comes up in D, you can't go back to the bike lanes, end quote. Evan Shabazz and Councilmember Kubash voted no on this item, but it still passed. Next, the Councilmember pop-off. Councilmember Alcorn gave an update on the Regulatory and Neighborhood Affairs Committee meeting last week that addressed Airbnb. She particularly mentioned an apartment complex in Montrose where every unit is available on Airbnb, effectively a hotel without management. She and Councilmember Peck are working on something to address this, and she asked for people and council members to let her know about other Airbnb problems they're having. 
Councilmember Peck plugged a new ditch maintenance program for District A. So if you are a senior, have limited mobility, or don't have reasonable access to the ditch you are supposed to maintain, you can contact her office for help. Councilmember Evan Shabazz plugged the El Dorado Ballroom grand reopening on Thursday and made a couple of jokes about how she can't stop talking about the Blodgett bike lanes. Councilmember Thomas went to the National League of Cities conference last week and was reminded that we are a model for the nation. She shared some Easter egg hunts happening this weekend, encouraged people to call 311 to report illegal dumping, and asked Mayor Turner to hook her up with tickets for Megan the Stallion this weekend, which was funny. And that's it for March 28th. I want to thank all of our Patreon supporters, and especially we have one new one, Marlene Rivera, an excellent photographer and sweet person all around. And if you think this project is worth supporting, I invite you to visit patreon.com slash emilytakesnotes, and you will get a shout out on this very podcast that you're listening to. Also, thank you to ACLU Texas and Houston in Action for your support and to Tecolotl, who does the Spanish translations. This podcast has music by Joe Wozni, and it was produced by Connor Clifton. That's it for this week. I'm Emily Hines, and I thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.